But we're going to continue this week tonight with the new series we started last week called Radical. We got, um, it's really cool if you're here for the sound, one of the prophets that we brought in, Charlie Sweet, has continued to pray on our behalf and uh, send us words of encouragement and words of knowledge. And he sent us this really very long, so I won't read it, but uh, I think Joe read it a couple weeks ago. This word to our church, our community, uh, and the underlying theme throughout all of it was being radical. And what we mean by that is not like weirdly extreme in a, like a weird way, but just being really like on fire for Jesus in a good way, in a healthy way. Like being so passionate about God and people and that radically, extremely affecting our lives in a way that's measured by the fruit of our life the fruit of love and the fruit of the spirit um, and to hopefully understand that if we are to commit ourselves to that and trust God as he meets us in that place that he will do supernatural things in our city and our community. So we're going to continue with that tonight. Uh, The topic I was given is being radical and raising the next generation. Why is that funny? As you're holding a baby. Because I'm not holding a baby. Because I don't have children. <laughs> don't look down on me. Radical in raising the next generation. I'm going um, I'm going to give you a, a teaching on being radical in raising the next generation. It's even more than that, uh, a theology on leadership. So uh, when I talk about leadership, setting an example, um, use that synonymously with this idea of being radical and raising the next generation, okay? Because I'm not maybe going to use that language a ton, but that's the context in which we're speaking. Um, I think it's true that all of us, regardless of who you are, are setting uh, an example and are leading someone at all times. The reason why I think that is true is because if any of you have children and you have witnessed your children grow up, at some point in time, your your child has done something ridiculous and maybe inappropriate. And you said to your child, where did you learn that? And they looked at you and they said, you. (laughs) Maybe something like that. Or maybe it's your kid I've seen. I don't have kids, so take my credibility for what it's worth. You can trust that I've witnessed this and I've observed this, but I've seen, uh, I saw, uh, because I'm a millennial and spend too much time on Instagram, I saw an Instagram story this week of this little girl following her mom around trying to dress and act like her mom. And there's just something true to what it means to be human, knowing that at all times, again, regardless if you, if you, can, if you consider yourself a, a leader or not, we're all setting an example for somebody at all times. There's never a moment where people are not looking to us, observing us, even subconsciously. Uh, and as we're doing that, there's something that's happening. There's this exchange that's happening. Every moment where we're looking at someone and observing someone or our own selves, something is changing and transforming inside of us that's molding and shaping who we are. The question in light of that is what type of leader are we? Even more than that, what type of person are we? It says in Genesis chapter 1 that God created, in man, God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created us male and female. 
I think it tells us two things. One, being created in the image of God because God is inherently community. We believe in a triune God, the Trinity, that we were created for community. There's something deep inside the heart of humanity in each and every one of us that yearns and desires to belong to community at some capacity. What it also means is that we inherently, outside of our control or maybe even our desire or even our will, we're always reflecting something or someone. We were created in the image of God to be in community with God and with his creation, but we were also created in the image of God to reflect and embody God. The pinnacle of his creation was created to reflect and, and be this beautiful radiation of who he is. You might think God is selfish and Maybe he is, or vain, but he is good, and I'm so, uh, knowing that, when you hear and understand all the different things that people say about our identity, to know that the king of the universe created us in his image, to bear and reflect his character and his nature and his goodness, and all that he is, is some of the best news in the world today. The problem with this is that even in 2018, those two realities are true, which is not a problem inherently, but the problem is this is, we all are created for community and we're searching for community. We're all created in the image of God, but once humanity introduced sin into the world, the image in which we bear, the image in which we reflect, has now become distorted. So we're all, we're all searching and yearning for community. And we were created to reflect something, someone, in order for that community to operate in harmony and have this beautiful peace to it. But that image in which we were created to reflect has now been distorted and compromised because of sin. So now the community in which we live in, in all of creation, apart from God, is in chaos and disorder. And at some capacity... We're all reflecting an image that's maybe less than the image in which we were created for and purposed for. And as a result of that, we have a responsibility to address that image, to address that in which we're reflecting and the great opportunity to do that and then embrace the redemption and the renewal and the transformation of Jesus so we can partner with God in doing the work that he's doing now, which is restoring all of his creation, bringing heaven to earth. My question to you tonight is what image is it that you're reflecting? Water break. Someone wrote a note. Go Connor, you rock. <laughs> Thank you. What image is it that you're reflecting? See, the, the unique thing about being Christians in America is this. Many of us have taken the name of Jesus. It's your status, your religious status and on Facebook or the sticker that you have on your car or the T-shirt that you wear. Or when people bring up in conversation, what religion are you? You say that you're a Christian or a Jesus follower, however you want to call it. Many of us have taken the name of Jesus but the question still remains, do we reflect the image of Jesus? Because they're two separate things. 
It says in Exodus chapter 20, not to take the Lord's name in vain. Now, many of us in America reference that scripture when people use Jesus' name as a swear word. But there's very little accountability when we identify ourselves publicly or by title as a Jesus follower, and then we live in such a way that doesn't reflect the image of Jesus. So I think the importance of this conversation that we have to address as the church in America is we have a serious problem on our hands that we can preach one way and practice another. That we can say we are one thing, but are maybe not really concerned with the example and the image and the leadership in which we are setting. Because here's the thing, people are, you can't help whether or not you're setting an example. And there is an example being set. You know, the job I was given was to exhort you and encourage you on how to be radical in raising the next generation. Here's the thing, the next generation is being raised, and I would argue radically. The question is, whose gods are raising the next generation? Because somebody is. I was watching, again, social media. Maybe I should fast, I don't know. <laughs> Dwayne, I could wiggle my ears. I don't know why you did that, man. <laughs> Just ignore that altogether. <laughs> One of my many rabbit trails. <laughs> yeah, I'm blushing now. I know, I'm embarrassed. My ears. Anyway, let's move on. I was watching, um, I don't know what it was, something on my phone. And it was, um, this like 13 year old white kid. And he was rapping about um, drugs and women and lots of money, and that was the content of his music. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you're 13 years old. You haven't even hit puberty yet, and you have an allowance from your parents. How could you possibly, with any credibility, sing songs about these things? let alone the side that it's totally bankrupt and distorted, and that's not the life that God has created for him. That aside, the reason why he is living that way and rapping like that and singing songs like that is because that's what he is seeing in front of him. That's the example that's been set for him. And that example will continue to be set, and it's being set. It's what we're fighting against, and never before in history, with social media and technology the way that it is, are we ever more need to be aware of the example that we're setting. I think as Jesus followers, we should be the most influential people in the world. And we will be. When we not only take his name, but we embody and reflect his image. My question again for you tonight is whose image are you reflecting? And the importance of knowing and answering that question is this. The image that we reflect is the example that we set. And the example that we set is the fruit of the people and the leadership that we are. And we've been given this incredible opportunity by God 
by the grace of Jesus as we've been saved and redeemed to go into the world and to be darkness, not to be darkness, cut that out of Facebook, (laughs) to be light in a dark world and to be salt in a dying place. Like what an incredible opportunity. What better life is there to live? Knowing that the, the commission of Jesus is to love God and love people. And to be the people who actually bring real life and real love and real joy and real hope and real grace and real truth into the world. And as a result of it, see God transform it. I went to a movie with my mom yesterday, uh, The Greatest Showman. Who's seen The Greatest Showman? If you haven't seen it, it's not Christian, but don't be hyper-spiritual. Go see the movie. It's incredible. This is my second time seeing it, so I didn't cry, but I felt like the whole movie, I could feel tears welling up inside of me, and I was like, pull it together, man. But the reason why I even bring that up is I was talking to my wife about it because we're like, let's just keep going and seeing it. It's at the Dollar Theater. We can budget $6 a week and we can keep going and seeing The Greatest Showman. And she was like, I think the reason why we love it so much, in addition to the music being so good and just the acting and everything, is it really is a story of hope in a hopeless world. The reason why people are so just drawn to it is just this ever-ending story. And it has dynamics of the realness of life and the brokenness and everything. And, you know, it's a perfect narrative. But at the end of the day, you leave that place just like so much more full of hope and life. Because that's what we're all yearning for. To live this incredible life of love and experiencing the presence of God. And being the people who steward and work his creation and bear his image. And we're on our way back to that. And we've been, invited in, we've been invited into this life where we get to be representatives of that in a world that in some ways is dying and broken and chaotic, but God is restoring and redeeming. So again, my question to you is this, whose image are you bearing? Because someone is looking to you for an example. And someone is looking to you for leadership even if you don't consider yourself a leader, or even if you're not here and you don't consider yourself a Jesus follower, all the more reason to let God just lavish you with his love and restore you. Not because you need to, it's not really about you setting an example primarily. It's just about us all being restored and healed by God. And the opportunity is this, as we continue to allow God to restore the image in which he's created us and that we get to invite people into that restoration process and see them healed, to see faithless people full of faith and hopeless people full of hope and people who have been depressed and anxious and beaten up in this life understand that there is a God who is not far away cosmically laughing at me but loves me and he's entered this love into humanity and there is love for me to experience. But they'll only get a chance to see it and know it if we see it and we know it and we reflect it. Our main text tonight is John chapter 5, if you put that scripture up there. It's... um. This is our main, or John, yeah, five, I wrote 17 down, it's 19, that's right. 
it's our, this is our main scripture within the whole context of Jesus' life. And I'll explain. It says this in John chapter 5, verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. My um, practical encouragement to you tonight about how you can set a radical example and raise the next generation is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and primarily engage God in intimacy and relationship. And out of our intimacy and our relationship with God, he will heal us and restore us and redeem us. And people are just watching you do that. And when real transformation happens, when real healing happens, when real life is happening, when real love is happening, people are running to it. Like, my point is not that, I mean, I could give you, like, every great leadership book. There's millions of them on Amazon, and you could go buy all of them, and that would be helpful, and that would be good, and if you like to read, go do it. But the best principle of leadership is intimacy with God. That we would be committed to that. Because leadership is not necessarily something that you do, although it's a part of what it means to be a leader, but a great leader is just someone who is. The heart of leadership is the heart of a man. The character and the integrity and the nature in which someone walks, arguably the image in which they reflect. And the key to being radical and raising the next generation is just a commitment to being radically in relationship with God. And by that I mean not necessarily that you would simply increase your Bible study time, although that could be good. But there would be something that awakens inside each and every one of us where we recognize our need for Jesus in every moment of our lives. And we, something would awaken inside all of us that is just so drawn to how good he is and how much he loves us. And at the same time, a, a healthy fear of God. Maybe that's what needs to awaken inside of us. That's what I mean by that. I had great parents, and I have great parents, and they love me like crazy. And I'm 20, almost 26 now, so my fear of them is probably a lot less. No offense, Mom. <laughs> but when I was younger, although they loved me a lot, I had this fear inside of me, not because they were abusive or anything like that, but because I knew how much they loved me and I did not want to disappoint them. And I knew that if I did disappoint them, they had the right to discipline me. And that changed my view and my perspective on a lot of things that I did. Now I was far from perfect and I did things at times that needed discipline and they did it because they love me. 
And because of that discipline, I learned at some point in time. I think we need a little bit of that with God. Because God is God. And we are human beings. And we are broken and in a process and we're being healed and I'm hopeful and believing in each and every one of us that God is shaping us and transforming us and we're getting better and better every day but we're still we still have this distorted image at some capacity and we will until either Jesus returns or we die and go on to be with him and we need a little bit of this understanding that if God wanted to he could smite us all. But he, I don't want that to be your primary context because I, <laughs> that's not healthy. But at the same time, maybe again, and everything I generally say, some people say this is a, not a rabbit trail, but it's a little asterisk. <laughs> I'll often use the phrase American church because that's who we are, and I feel called to this country. So everything I think about and say is in light of the American church. And the American church needs to wake up a little bit in regards to our fear of the Lord, not to be people who are hiding in condemnation and walking in fear and intimidation because they're afraid of this cosmic God who's a killjoy who just wants to wreck them and ruin them. But people who are sons and daughters of God by our identity, who want to walk in his ways and understand that he has laid out this beautiful path before us and it is a narrow road to walk down because righteousness is narrow. And he'll do everything he can to help us stay on that path, but if we fall off, he will discipline us and correct us, but only to bring us back on the road. Back to John 5, 19. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. I want that to be like the reality for us as God's people. Like sometimes I think about myself and I just audit my life and reflect on my life. I think about the things that I just did are not of God. And it's because I took on the image of something else because I became intimate with something else or someone else. And I just did whatever I saw them doing. And Jesus was so intimate with the Father. Just constantly, we see him waking up really, really early before the day even begun in his, his rag, a muffin group of disciples got up. They were like, I'd imagine snoozers. Anybody snoozer in here? <laughs> I am a snoozer, just to be honest. Set my alarm for like 4.45 in the morning, think I'm going to be really spiritual, and like 7.45 rolls around, and it's like, this is the day the Lord has made, you know? (laughs) But Jesus was constantly in intimacy with God. It's as if he's like constantly distracted with 
the spirit and the presence of God in, some, in the way that some of us are distracted with our phones or technology or just carnal thoughts about things lesser than God. And he just, everything is like almost as if the way that I see, and this is conjecture, extra biblical, but that he has just this, this lens and this filter where God is just revealing everything to him in the spiritual And it, it doesn't, that reality does not come from, if it came from a 10-step process, Jesus would have just laid it out. Here's a 10-step process. Things that you can do apart from the conviction inside of your heart. That's the problem sometimes with just these like practical things that we can do is you can do practical things and not have any desire to really do them inside of your heart. And God is not concerned with what we do apart from what's inside of our heart. Because it's the expression of our heart that reveals the image in which we're reflecting. And God just wants us to be intimate with him. Just to constantly, even in this moment, as you're hearing me speak, not really be all that concerned with the words that I'm saying, but just be fixated on the goodness and the love of God towards you. And as you're doing your job, whether you consider it to be incredibly profound and influential or incredibly mundane and insignificant, that you would just be obsessed with God. I think about Brother Lawrence who wrote The Practice and Presence of God. He was a dishwasher, and he just talks about washing dishes and just being just consumed with God's presence. Most of the time when I'm washing dishes, now I'm going to be because I just, you know, said it to you, but... I'm like, why am I washing dishes? There's so many other good things that I could be doing. But on a serious note, like, God just wants to be intimate with us in all moments. And for us just to know who he is and how good he is and not to get outside of that. And when we do, whatever it is that we do get entertained with begins to shape us and transform us. And even at some point, even beyond our control, we just begin to reflect whatever it is that we entertain. And that's why there are a lot of people in the world who, especially again in America, who don't really like Christians. Because we're very quick to say that we're Christian. But we're a little bit reluctant to be committed to the life and the teachings of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that you have to, this is not a push towards legalism where you're like constantly like obsessed with what it is exactly that you do and if you made a mistake that you would shame yourself and walk in condemnation. Beyond that, again, to know that there's a God who's available to us and who's near to us and who desires just to like woo us and just for us to face and for our hearts to be towards him, and to, for our minds to be on him. And just to be intimate with him, to even if it means you acting foolish and crazy and talking to yourself, to talk and to engage with God. And if it means you living in a lifestyle which is considered prude or ancient or whatever it might be in today's culture and society, knowing that you're 
your seemingly your prudence or your ancientness or your irrelevance in culture and the way in which you live is really you walking in the holiness and the righteousness of God. Which although it might come at the cost of social reputation, your heart and your soul will come alive and the people who once mocked you will once want to follow you. Because you committed to intimacy with Jesus and he put his image on you. And at some point in time, the people around you whose image has been distorted because for whatever reason, whether it's been something or whether it's something someone has done to them or things they've done to themselves, their image has been distorted and they, be, they looked in the mirror and they saw the emptiness and they saw the hopelessness and they saw the brokenness, something inside their heart, the Holy Spirit began to work on them and say, it's not what you were created for. I want to make you beautiful again. I want to heal you again. I want to restore you again. I want to restore you to the image in which God has created you. I know that humanity has tried to break you down and wreck you, and life's given you a bad set of cards, and you think that you're ugly, but there's something inside of you that wells up and says, I know that God has created, created me for more, and that person will begin to think about you. Because your life and your image out, out of the, as a result of the intimacy that you have with God has given them hope and is a light. And is, it's something that God is using to bring people back to what he created us for. Who or what are you most intimate with? Let me just write or read to you some of the things I wrote down. These are just thoughts um, that I feel like God was sharing with me as I was just thinking about this. I wrote down, if you want to radiate faithfulness, you have to understand that you'll reflect the faithfulness of whoever or whatever you're most intimate with. If you want to radiate grace, you have to understand that you'll reflect the gracefulness of whoever or whatever you're most intimate with. If you want to radiate love, real love, that we're all, the world is going crazy about love, but real love, the love of Jesus that actually satisfies the human soul, you have to consider the love of whoever or whatever you're most intimate with. You'll take on the image of whoever or whatever you're most intimate with. If you find yourself at a, a shortness or a, a, a shallowness of love, who is it that you have fallen in love with? If you find yourself quick to anger and full of a temper and just this Impatience and this disgust for humanity, who or what have you been looking at? Because you were created to bear an image, and you're just bearing the image of whoever or whatever you're intimate with. And your life is reflecting whoever or whatever you want to be most intimate with. And the good news is this, is that despite all of our mess and despite all of our idiosyncrasies and all of the craziness of who we are apart from God, that God looks beyond all of that and really 
although God is just and he is right and he is God and he sees everything and he doesn't tolerate sin, it's, it's beyond what we can really understand as human beings because he is beyond us. We have to be careful to give an understanding about God based on what we can understand in our own minds. Like I know scriptures say that God is a father and maybe you had a horrible father and I can understand why you would maybe not then be able to understand God very well, but I just, as humbly as I can say this and as gracefully as I can say this, God is way different than the father that you had. At the same time, if you consider yourself a a real righteous person and you have a, a string of justice inside of you and seek after justice, and be a justice person, but be careful not to think that you're God. Because although God is just, the life of Jesus, logically and reasonably, does not match up with our definition and understanding of justice. And we're called to follow Jesus and to reflect Jesus. We are to be intimate with Jesus. And if we can do this, if we can just accept continually and understand that God loves us and he's crazy about us and he just wants to lead us and guide us in every way and walk with us and, and we can be intimate with him, our humanity will change. It will be transformed. I constantly am praying this prayer that my life would... Um, The spirit in which I walk in and live, even my countenance and my nonverbal communication, just everything like my presence would be that of Jesus where it's like rivers of living water, as he speaks of, are flowing out of me. Now, that's tough for me because I'm not like I'm introverted and um, I think I can be funny at times. And most of the time, it's not when I'm trying to be funny. Um, I'm just not super like, I'm not this big energy type guy. And I get that. And I'm not necessarily, my intent is not necessarily to be that. And I don't know if that's necessarily who God is, although God could be that and he could be lots of other things as well. But I've been praying that prayer that my life would just be like rivers of living water, just like so refreshing to people and so life-giving to people. And I'd invite people, even in the mundane things, on this adventure with Jesus But again, I'm often really conflicted because I'm like, smile. (laughs) But I had this person say to me the other day, it's so ironic. We, at Young Adults, I had this interaction. And I was being very sincere and genuine with this person. But as we're having this conversation, I'm like, this is really awkward. I felt awkward. I was like, Connor, what's wrong with you? Stop being awkward. I just, (laughs) but he messaged me on Instagram later. And he's like, dude, you're just so full of the spirit of Jesus. And I was like, how could he possibly think that? (laughs) I felt so awkward. But God was doing something in response to my intimacy with him that was beyond what I could ever imagine could happen. And that's enough for me. I don't care if I preach another message or do whatever. Like, I just want to live this life intimately with God. 
and just walk it day in and day out, hopefully in contentment and obedience and joy with whatever God puts before me, with rivers of living water just rushing out of me because I've tapped into this source of life that is Jesus. Not just so I can win a bunch of souls to the Lord because it's way bigger than that. I really genuinely want people to experience the goodness and the love of Jesus. Because I know what it's like and maybe many of you know what it's like to live apart from that. And when you encounter it, there's nothing like it. And although I'm a fickle human being and at times I want things that I don't really need or want, at the end of the day when I come back to myself and I come to my senses, I remember this good and faithful God who's standing, watching for me and just wants me to come home to him and be in his presence. So even more than what image are you reflecting how desperately do you want to be intimate, thank you, Seth, with God? And to know his goodness and his faithfulness. And based on that decision that we'll make, I promise you the rest will take care of itself. We will raise a radical generation of people. I think it was said of John Wesley. I was always told it was said of John Wesley. Um, but then someone was like, John Wesley never said that, so I don't know what's true anymore. Thank you, Internet, you know. <laughs> but John Wesley was at one time quoted saying, let yourself on fire, and people will come and watch you burn. Don't take that literally at all. <laughs> But whether you're a Jesus follower in here tonight or you're a pastor and everyone in between, my prayer is that we would have a deep understanding of who God is and how much he loves us and the life that he has for us. And that we would just commit to it with all that we are, with our minds, with our hearts, with our whole being. And we would just, at the very least, if everything else falls around us and drops around us, we would commit to intimacy with him. And I promise, if you commit to that, not everything is going to fall, around, fall down around you, although it might come with persecution and things like that. But something will begin to burn inside of us. When Jesus says, you are the light of the world, it was not like a lie. He understood that if you would commit to him, if we would commit to him as his people, that he would do the rest and we would really be the light of the world. That's his promise to us. Now we have the choice in which we're going to, whether or not we're going to be intimate with him, which that light source will come from or not. But if we do, it's a guarantee. Who or what are you most intimate with? Whose image are you bearing and reflecting? And just understand the, the consequences either way of that and reflect on that. Because God has an incredible life for us. And we have an incredible opportunity. I mean, just begin even now to think about the people you are directly in relationship with in all spheres of life. 
especially those who are searching and yearning for God, even if they don't know it yet. And allow yourself to kind of break for them. And then just know that God loves them just as much as he loves you. And out of his love for you, he'll put something inside you to reflect to them. And believe in hope that out of the example you're setting and the leadership you're setting, even if it takes your whole life, that person will come to know the same love that you know, that is Jesus. And their life will be changed.